at spiritual foolishness from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33, but we will look at quite a few Proverbs from the book of Proverbs. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. That is how Charles Dickens starts his book, A Tale of Two Cities, which are about two cities, Paris and London, during the time of the French Revolution. This is what we read in Paul's first chapter in Romans. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. I'll repeat that. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. In years past, I think with some shame we have to say that intellectual disability was frequently mocked and made fun of. So I am glad that we have grown up a little bit in that respect. The Bible has little to say about those who are intellectually disabled, but has a lot to say about those with the spiritual equivalent of this condition. The Bible calls it foolishness, and the ones who do it are simply called fools. The book that talks the most about fools is Proverbs. Billy Graham said once, I used to read five psalms every day. That teaches me how to get along with God. Then I read a chapter of Proverbs every day and that teaches me how to get along with my fellow man. And uh, I think that's good advice. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, one for every day of the month and when there's 30 days, well, I'm sure you can work it out. The word fool appears 40 times in the ESV version of Proverbs. The fool is not a matter of, like I said, how smart someone is or how high their IQ. But God's idea of a fool doesn't look at the intelligence of the brain, but more at attitudes and actions of a person. He's a person who lacks good judgment. And whether we would like to admit it or not, we maybe would rather forget, we have all at some point, at some time, done some pretty stupid things when we were young and perhaps we were not so young. 
And maybe some of us still haven't grown out of doing stupid stuff. But hopefully we have. Hopefully we haven't seen some progress if we can, you know, do a graph of our lives. And much of this foolishness was due to lack of judgment or inexperience. And we learned the hard way that maybe there was a reason why God, when we were young, made our parents wise. Someone said, you are not a fool because you have done something foolish, only if the folly of it escapes you. So hopefully our foolishness was just a temporary condition and not not a permanent one. So on the one hand, on the one hand, we need we we need knowledge. We need people to be educated. For this reason, Christians have been at the forefront of education for a couple of thousand years now. Yet despots like Chairman Mao and Pol Pot targeted the educated. Just this, this week I heard news of the, in Afghanistan, the Taliban are bombing schools. They're targeting schools. Do, those people doing exams, they, 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 they're killing them. Why? Because education is seen as a threat. On the other hand, while we're all in favour of education, we need to know the content and the purpose of education. Not just indoctrination, but education. There are those who believe that the more educated, the more professional, the more law-abiding citizens that a society will have. In other words, education breeds morality, they say. Unfortunately, the evidence is overwhelming that an education that merely addresses the intellect does not breed morality and much less common sense. Benjamin Franklin said, The learned fool writes his nonsense in better language than the unlearned, but still tis nonsense. Look at what education has given many who have been brought up in a moral vacuum. The further educated people have become, the more they are taught to doubt religion and act like the, the monkeys that they are told they came from. Back in the old days, people didn't have full education and yet somehow they were taught from a very early age to respect their elders, to love their neighbours, to help one another in whatever circumstances, to be humble, not to be proud, to be willing to sacrifice for your nation if the call came. The, uh, the black American educator, the renowned Booker T. Washington said, and I quote, education is not a thing apart from life, not a, a system, nor a philosophy. It is direct 
teaching how to live and how to work. End of quote. That's true, isn't it? The ways of a fool are often contrasted with the ways of the wise. It is the opposite of folly. That's what wisdom is. But people today are asking, what is the most enjoyable, fun thing that we can do? Right now. A typical slogan today might be work hard, play hard. You heard that one, right? But I think these words are actually stolen from Solomon who said in Ecclesiastes, anything I wanted I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labours. In other words, what Solomon was saying was, work hard, play hard. The same guy who wrote Proverbs. The top of fools that should concern us as I said before, are the spiritual fools, the type that says in his heart, there is no God. Spiritual fools can look at all the evidence, scriptural or otherwise, concerning their need for God and his salvation, and yet they ignore it. They choose to ignore it. So, let's look then at three things. Firstly, what does the Bible say about the actions of a fool? What are the actions of a fool? Firstly, a fool delights in evil. Like I said before, all of us have done foolish things more than, more than once, but the fool makes it a way of life. He's unrepentant. He keeps repeating it. Proverbs 10.23 says, A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct. Finds pleasure in evil conduct. That's a fool. There's a story of a man who walked into a convenience store in Wollongong. He put a $20 bill on the counter and asked for a change. When the clerk opened the cash drawer, the man pulled a gun and asked for all the cash in the register which the person provided. The man took the cash from the counter that the person provided and left the $20 bill on the counter. The total amount of cash he got from the drawer, $15. They are full of pride. That's the other characteristic. The West actually celebrates pride for a whole month. 
when pride is the highest of sins, that which opposes God, and yet we celebrate it for a whole month because we're celebrating a certain lifestyle. Proverbs 21:24. The proud and arrogant person, Mocha is his name, behaves with insolent fury. The fool also doesn't like correction. When you try to tell a fool that he is wrong, that he needs to change, he gets angry, he gets belligerent. Therefore, the tension level rises when dealing with fools in a discussion which quickly turns into an argument. Some of you who are teachers will know quite well Parents become belligerent with teachers when their kids are misbehaving. When you suggest perhaps the need for change to change their parenting style, they blame others, even the teachers, even the system, but themselves. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. What else is characteristic of a fool? They think they know it all. And they can't be convinced that they might be wrong. This is hard for people to do, to to admit perhaps that they made a mistake. It means that they have to even acknowledge or even feel guilty or repentant for behaviour or or even apologise. Heaven help us if someone has been affected by their actions. So they have to change their lifestyle in some way, which is not a fun prospect. This is why Solomon said in Proverbs 12:15, "The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice." What else is a fool like? The fool lacks discipline. This is obvious on those who keep doing whatever their sinful hearts desire. There's absolutely no discipline. I'll get up whatever time I feel like. I'll do whatever I want. I don't care. For Proverbs 5.23, he dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. It's frustrating trying to counsel or help a fool because he doesn't think he needs any help. Doesn't doesn't that describe our society to a T? We live in a society that is full of these individual fools individually and you bring them all together and you have a society of fools. And then you have these talking heads in panels and Q&A and all these other places where any wisdom is made fun of and mocked. In all of this, you can, you can sort of see the, the, 
society is sinking to a lower level. It's following water, the, 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 the lowest point in a valley. It just, it just follows the course. And you're saying, why? And when they're exposed, when they're challenged, you witness their reactions. You see it. How on earth can we as a society even tolerate or think about full-term abortions? How? What evil? How? How? How is it that we can encourage, we can't criticize, we can't even correct teenagers or even pre-teenagers who think that they are who are going through gender dysphoria and say, no, they don't know whether they want to be a girl or a boy. We're going to perform surgery on them. How? Dr. Stephen Levine, a clinical professor of psychiatry, he said this, and I quote, there is no other field of medicine with such Radical interventions are offered to children with such a poor evidence base. How? Because it's all ideological. Ideological, stupidity, foolishness. Okay. So how do we treat a fool? How do we treat a fool? We've seen some of the characteristics of a fool. So how are we supposed to treat them? Uh, And Proverbs has a a good deal to say on this subject and nearly all of it is, all of the instruction that we see in the book of Proverbs pertains to what we should not do. It brings it up from the negative point of view. Firstly, it says we should not waste too much instruction on fools. In the New Testament, Jesus said that we should not cast our pearls before swine. In Proverbs, we are told not to attempt to teach fools. In Proverbs 23:9, it says, Do not speak to a fool, for he will scorn the wisdom of your words. What else does it say? We should not allow them to drag us to their level. As you probably found out already, the fool is exasperating. He's looking for trouble. He prods, he goads, and he often tempts us to oblige him. And since the fool will go off and speak his mind, we are tempted to lose our temper with him as well. Proverbs tells us not to allow him to get the best of us lest we be lowered to their level. Proverbs 26.4 Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. We should also not dignify them by giving them undue honour. The fool is pompous enough as it is. Look at the Hollywood stars, 
and sport fans. There's always somebody out there sticking a microphone in their mouth. One recommendation to our young people and young adults, stop following them on social media, please. Stop following these fools. Stop admiring what they wear, what they say. It's all empty. There's nothing there. They're actually called influencers, some of them. They make a living of being professional influencers. From what? From a moral vacuum? It's not even a vacuum. It's actually evil, a lot of the stuff that has been promoted, influencing to change people's lives and behaviour. They're there to sell a product. What's Proverbs say? Proverbs 26, verse 1. I like this. Like snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honour is not fitting for a fool. We should also avoid being influenced by fools. While wisdom is not contagious to a fool, folly is to the wise. It seems to be flowing in one direction. Therefore, the wise person should avoid the fool. 14.7 says, Stay away from a foolish man, for you will not find knowledge on his lips. And fifthly, we should not make life easy for the fool. We should not make life easy for the fool. What, what I mean is that the painful consequences of sin may be instrumental in bringing the fool to the end of his folly. But regardless, the painful blows of sin should not be softened. This is really hard for parents to do when they see their kids doing stupid things. Foolish behaviour. You want to soften, you want to cushion, you want to protect, you want to take the blows yourself. But you know what? Sometimes, yeah, you're probably found, it doesn't work. A lot of the times... The prodigal son is a good example. The prodigal son did not come to his his senses until he was allowed to suffer the consequences of his folly, right? And then he came to his senses. And he found that his father was waiting. Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. Now, these principles regarding our our treatment of fools may incline us to, to draw a wrong conclusion. Does it mean that we should not, we don't make any effort to turn them from their stupidity? What are the implications of Proverbs for evangelism? 
since in one sense all unbelievers are, are fools because they have rejected the fear of the Lord. Should we do nothing to win them to Christ? But I think that we need to understand that what Proverbs is stressing is that the fool cannot be reasoned from his folly, cannot be shamed from it and probably wouldn't be able to be beaten from it. This should not, however, lead us to the conclusion that the fool is utterly hopeless or helpless. Everyone who does not know Christ is hopelessly lost without divine intervention. This is where prayer comes in. Constant prayer. And the reason why Proverbs teaches us not to try to reform a fool is that he must be transformed from the inside out. And only God can do that. The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus, chapter 3, verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That was a pretty dark place, wasn't it? But, but, and and that makes all the difference, right? But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, when the light started to shine, and you can read the rest yourself, that's what changes. This is what the transformation, this is the regeneration in the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul himself because that's why he says, we too were foolish, he's saying. When he was persecuting Christians, when he was destroying churches, we too were foolish. But when the kindness of our Saviour appeared and to him it was on the road to Damascus, For us, it was a different place, in a different circumstance, and I've heard some of your testimonies, but it is the same when the kindness and grace of our Lord appeared, when he intervened. And we can't account for that. We we can't. It was his grace. Thirdly, let's look at the heart of the matter. The fool's problem is ultimately an issue of the heart. And I believe it is possible to reduce the the causes of, of folly to two principal choices which are obviously connected to one another. And and they are the decision to distrust God and the decision to trust in your own heart. So firstly, the fool is one who is willfully determined not to follow God's wisdom. And 
Although wisdom has sought him out, he has refused and he has rejected it. Chapter 1 um, that we read, verse 20, 25 to 25 and then 29. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and you ne- neglected all my counsel and I did not want and did not want my reproof because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. That was the problem. They determined not, not to follow the wisdom, even though wisdom pursues them, goes after them. Christ, the Apostle Paul said, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I'll repeat that again. The power of God and the wisdom of God in one person, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. He came for this very reason. He is the embodiment of the words here of wisdom pursuing us from heaven, chasing us, telling us, calling us, drawing us, even from the cross. Because before we could be delivered from folly, we had to be delivered from sin. One in that order. Secondly, one becomes a fool by trusting in in himself. To the fool, no one is more trustworthy, wise or reliable than himself. Some four or five hundred years before Christ, Protagoras, the Greek, he said this, man is the measure of all things. What he meant by that is that all that you, all that you see, all that will ever be is, is contained in you. There is nothing outside. It's all up to you. Frank Sinatra would be proud of that line, wouldn't he? Proverbs 28:26: "He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered." So realising this tendency of the fool to trust in himself helps us appreciate even more one of the the very favourite, everybody's favourite verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So because God has infinite wisdom, the person who neglects God will naturally miss out, miss out on, on, on wisdom and he will remain a fool. This is why a fool is anyone who does not follow the warnings and the commands of God. And watch out when that happens to a whole society. True wisdom comes from recognising that I am not the master of my destiny. God is. 
God is. My opinion doesn't matter what I think is right or wrong or wise or foolish. That's simply my opinion. What matters is what God says. So you can scorn me, you can abuse me, you can say all sorts of things to me about my opinion. But if I'm expressing what God says, then take it up with him. If the Lord says I am being foolish, then I need to fear that. I need to respect that and I need to confess that. Repent from that. And let me leave you finally with these words from the Apostle Paul. And I think that again, in, 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 very, in a very humble way, the Apostle Paul is, is calling us to, to something greater. Looking back helps us to keep humble about our present, but it gives us a hope to the future. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-28. Brothers, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and despised things of the world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's God's wisdom. In all glory... Go to him. Amen.